Jungle Podcast is raw, it's real, it has zero gimmicks, zero bullshit, and absolutely zero fucks to give. Welcome to the Iron Jungle. This is real, no bullshit, no holds barred, wide fucking open podcast. We've been at this far too long to be fucking around. This is the jungle. Where anything goes, no holds barred. We're going to be talking about the real shit. How to succeed. In a world where you have goals, but there's so much misinformation and bullshit trying to sell you something. This is the informative podcast. And there's no hope behind the jungle. The question is, are you ready? Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the iron jungle. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back inside the iron jungle podcast. This episode, Drew, is going to get people butthurt. People are going to be well. It depends. We haven't talked about anything prior to this episode, and for for just let me preface this by saying for people listening, sometimes Drew will send me a list of like notes we're going to talk about, um, so you can kind of prep. Today we said this is the topic we're going to talk about, and let's go at it. So the topic that is, it seems it's always some sort of hotbed topic, and it's kind of it went for. It, you can talk about the history of this, but we're going to talk today about proprietary blends within dietary supplements: the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it might be. I mean, essentially uh, of proprietary blends. Drew, you started formulation. I mean, we just talked about your age, literally in text messages yesterday, like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I uh, met my now wife, you were just graduating high school, so you're a baby. But, so, but you also know enough about dietary supplements to know the history of prop blends and how they used to dominate the, the industry, and then there were several brands that came out with fully transparent labels, and now we're kind of seeing this influx of sort of blended labels of some prop blends, some not. So your history of prop blends, Drew, let, let, let's just... What do you want to start with on this one? Because I think people are going to be super interested on it. I'm just going to kind of freelance here. Honestly, the, for the longest time in this industry, it's been proprietary blended because there was a lot of people that had you know, some newer, cooler technology where, you know, a lot of these things, it got to be ridiculous. Let me rephrase this here. Like um, when things like No Explode first came out or other things, like I, I don't remember exact. I mean, I've been in this game for fucking 10 years. But a lot of times you see some like, proprietary blended in terms of it's really common, I like, think, like capsule products right. or in powder products. So we say proprietary blend and a quick 101 of proprietary blends, how to read one. <coughs> if you look at something, for example, and it says the total scoop size is 10 grams. Okay. You know that there's 10 grams of total content per scoop. This has to include the active ingredients and the inactives. The active ingredients would be ingredients that actually, quote, unquote, do something to make the formula effective, whether that be, like, say, pre-workout creatine, beta-alanine, caffeine, um, L-tyrosine, dynamine, teacrine, whatever it may be. Those are your active ingredients. Mm-hmm. The inactive ingredients are things you have to account for as well. So like when you see like right now in a fully broken up panel, you see other ingredients. Those are things that are going to be called excipients. And that's going to include things such as your flavor system, your sweetener used, acids, um, flow agents like silicon dioxide and calcium silicate, coloring, whatever may have you. So if you were to look at back in the day, something you may see on, say, oh, let's go with a powder, for example. Again, this got really nasty with, with all the concentrated pre-workouts is, um, say, you have a five-gram scoop of pre-workout. Now these days, if you see a five-gram scoop in a pre that is, <laughs> like, uh, okay, let's see what's in this bad boy. It depends on what it is. Sometimes five grams can be a hell of a lot, but it can also be, like, hardly anything. Right. Typically, the longer the list of ingredients you see, and a smaller scoop size is going to cause concern. If you see like a five gram scoop and you see things like creatine and beta alanine, and these things that traditionally are aminos, and they traditionally have a higher gram scoop, like if in the, for example, sake, if like 
most cases you want like two to three, sometimes even up to five grams of creatine itself. And they have beta alanine or people typically, depending if you want it all at once, anywhere from 1.6 to 3.2. And you have aminos in there that you need at least a couple grams. If you're having all these things in there and you only have five grams in a scoop in a proprietary blend, and that doesn't include the flavor of the flow agent, and I'm guessing there's probably other things in there, that's a concern that raises a lot of people's um, peak levels of interest. Like, okay, how much could possibly be in here in a proprietary blend if I'm supposed to get this many grams? You know, you, the pie is only so big. How can right. you divide up that pie equally? And that's what causes concerns. So over the years, it's evolved where people are like, oh, I don't trust this proprietary blend. It's underdosing the ingredients and then spawned all the, a lot of the full transparency and broken out fully transparent labels. That's kind of the segue, the, the short summation of this. So when you read um, other ingredients, if something, or this, this applies for food too, so pay attention. If you see the ingredients on food, like say, whether it be like um, something complicated, uh, like a cake mix, I'm just picking some random off the shelf, or crackers, how about crackers? You'll see the most, um, the highest dosed ingredient it's for the lowest ingredient is listed in descending order. So what's highest in the product for like say those those um, mm -hmm. crackers, probably like wheat flour is be the first thing you see, and like the last thing would be like I don't even know like um, like sodium or salt, whatever maybe. So you obviously see that the same thing goes for supplements. The thing that has the highest amount in a product, like a protein powder for example. It's going to list high to low, like say a chocolate protein. Up top, you'll be active as a protein, but then down below, you'll probably see something like cocoa powder followed by, um, you know, whatever it is, like guar gum, xanthan gum, sucralose, natural artificial flavors, so on and so forth. So as you read from uh, top to bottom in descending order, that kind of gives you a cheat. You can probably figure out pretty easily on a lot of type of things if you have a relative idea in terms of dosages on what the ratio is and breaking out and say if it's full of bullshit. Because there's sometimes I've seen a couple prop blends where it still makes sense, like, okay, this project blended, but I can pretty much digress and pick apart, you know, what's in this product. Like something will say, oh, it has X amount of whatever, and it's in a proprietary blend. They disclose that one ingredient. Say that's the first or the or the third thing. I'm like, okay, so if this is say caffeine at 300 milligrams, third ingredient in the proprietary blend. Okay, it at least has 300 milligrams. Everything else is less than 300. Mm -hmm. The two is above there. Okay, they're probably they're above 300. So that's kind of a quick synopsis and quick little cheat sheet to kick off this episode. Yeah. So let's start with this. Okay. So. The proponents for people that still use proprietary blends today, their their biggest thing is like they want to protect their formula. It's formula protection is, is what you hear all the time. Um, some people will say it adds the mystery back to the to the supplement, which I, I think is a fucking weird explanation. Um, but let's let's talk about the it protects the formula from a supplement side, from a formulator side, because there are two different kind of types of proprietary blends that I'm going to talk about here. The first is. Drew Peters goes into a lab, he creates a, uh, an energy matrix, whatever, and he decides to prop blend it because it's stimulants and stimulants are what you feel, there's no clinical dosages, whatever. That's a proprietary blend there. But there's also pro proprietary blends on the ingredient supplier side. So you get uh, Pico2, for instance, is a proprietary blend that a lot of companies are using today from Compound Solutions that some people don't get crazy mad about because it's from an ingredient supplier with all the scientific, scientific data behind it. So... For the purpose of this conversation, let's talk about the formulation side, protecting the formula. Bullshit or not, Drew? I actually think there's a legitimate um, rationale behind that. In that case, sometimes I have seen that. Like when I, for example, made Hyatt Icon. People, it's a fully transparent label. People say, oh, it's not just a proprietary blend. I'm like, everything on there is fully transparent. And I see these dick, mo dick smokes are talking about the Pico 2 in there to Graham and says, oh, I'm sure this blend, this blend of you know, seven or eight different things is going to really surely do something. I'm like, well, actually it fucking does because yeah. it's a ended ingredient 
And that specific blend is what the data is on. Mm -hmm. And it is one gram of that blend and that ratio in this product that's proprietarily protected. Right. Same thing comes with something like nitrosagene, which is arginine silicate inositol. And they're bonded together. And what ratio? Right. I, well, I do know that there's a certain amount of arginine in that one, which I'm not right. going to disclose over thing on here, but Correct. if you need to count actual arginine, I do know that number. But in certain cases, it doesn't really matter because it is the ingredient itself is a branded ingredient. There is one version of it that's truly allowed to be sold without patent violation. In that case, that proprietary blend is fine because it is a ingredients proprietary. I mean, if the, if, it, if the study is on specifically, say, like um, PICO2 or specifically on nitrosogen, if there is a disclosed one gram of, say, that PICO2 in that product, you are getting what the studies and the data supports. So right. I'm, not sure why it, I'm sorry. I don't give a fuck who you are. Who all the most picky person out there is going to be like, well, I feel that there could be a little more uh, turkey tail and reishi mushroom in the PICO2 blend and I'd feel it more. Shut the fuck up. You don't know that. You, th you want to act like you know, but that's not how this works, right. okay? It's a blended ingredient, a proprietary ingredient. So there are a couple out there. Um, S7's one, Spectra's another. Spectra's, a, Spectra's actually a good one to talk about because it's a 100-milligram dosage with like 50 things in it. So people lose their shit. It is. But the thing is, clinical data supports right. at 100 milligrams of that exact ingredient. Yep. So in that case, that it's paying for it. And uh, I think in that case, if it's a branded ingredient that's a truly – legitimate source or and then it comes from the correct place versus some yahoo that's blending all these things randomly together i'm sorry one thing that the from the formulation side when you pay for a branded ingredient in your product the other part you're paying for is the right to use that research study mm -hmm. because sometimes certain ingredients um they, they, they only exist in like a in the actual branded space like creatine is more broad right the data has been done on this creatine monohydrate in general versus, oh, um, like you can't take arginine, throw it in a batch, some silica, throw it in a batch, and inositol, and whatever ratio in your little head to make that gram per serving and make that trusting claims. That's not how this works. You can't take um, something very specific, like say different types of kinetic or also known as vantrazine synephrine from a generic source of uh, synephrine, throw it in a batch of whatever milligrams and use those claims about what it does in terms of a reduction in body fat, not increasing heart rate, not increasing blood pressure. That's specific to that ingredient. Mm -hmm. So in that case, a big part of what you're paying for is the rights to use the studies and data done on that ingredient. Right. And I know opening the door over here, somebody's saying, oh, well, okay, they, they own this data because it's their ingredient, but okay, who funded the study? Da, da, da. That's a whole other podcast. And yeah. there's some, once again, study bias. If a company that owns a product or owns an ingredient is fun, self-funding the study, that's one to look at. But then also, again, they could pay to have it done at an independent you know, third party place, but then again, a lot of times if it doesn't work, they're probably not going to publish the data. So, I mean, it's a, it's a toss up on that. You exactly. Know? And to that point, like from an ingredient supplier side, the proprietary blends typically have studies behind it, like you said, like Drew alluded to. The proprietary blends from, say, Drew in the lab, typically they don't have studies published on why Drew, if you formulated a proprietary blend, why this is your blend. What will typically happen is they'll say, well, we tried, you know, we tried different variations of this blend for years, and this is the one that worked best for them. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, so now in terms of the brand side, we did a proprietary blend to protect our formula, which is still the common, I guess, common defense mechanism for prop blends in products today. I know, Drew knows, everybody knows, like, you can send in these products to a lab and pay X amount of dollars per whatever ingredient is on the label and have that lab run the test and find out if, in fact, that stuff is in there. 
Sometimes they find stuff that's in that product that was not listed on the label. Sometimes they'll find stuff in the product that is listed on the label, but at half the dosages. Um, so from my standpoint, being not associated with a single brand at all, I don't necessarily say, hey, it's bullshit, bullshit, but it's sort of bullshit because I could send in almost any product in the world, get it tested. Especially like if you, if you claim you have a prop blend in the product and you're selling a million units of that product, you bet your fucking ass I'm sending that product in and finding out like what exactly is in it. So either I can replicate it or call bullshit on your product. And me, I'm on the brand side. I make stuff for a living. This is literally what I do for a living is develop products. And I don't bring them proprietary blends. I really don't. I never put them in my products. Not because, oh, I'm better than you. I'm going to tell you exactly what it. But like to me, I'm like, if I was on the consumer side, I'd like to know that, hey, I like standing high on the science side of things. I'm going to tell you exactly what's in the product because I made it for this reason. And I like to like cite sources of why I dose things the way I did it. And honestly, there's nothing, in my opinion, here's opening a can of worms here. There's nothing these days that can be used legally on the stimulatory or even like most supplement side that you can actually use that you like can't, that you'd have to protect. Everybody uses the same stuff to a degree. There's new things coming out, but the thing is a lot of the new things coming out are going through the correct pathway, mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. And there's, there's studies being done on them that you're using that ingredient because there's, oh, this is really cool. We found this, we can use it. It has grass status, whatever it may be, and it needs to be at this certain dose. So if you have it at that certain dose, then why wouldn't you want to tell people? Then also I tell the story of the product. When I make a product, I like to tell the story. Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop a huge hit right now. Um, you'll be getting the some of the new dragon stuff when it uh, comes out in January. Right. And the, one of my favorite parts, I think I've you know teased a little bit here, is the product tells a story. I'm not worried about putting a bunch of text on the bottles. Instead, the left panel is usually taken up with a magazine ad by a lot of brands. It's going to have some very visual, very cool, more bullet point and iconic type things, explaining the ingredients in very simple terms with like you know some very cool um, blurbs. And I, I, I don't want to leak it because I have some really cool stuff. I'm really excited about this. But the thing is, I called it out very specifically because there's a reason and a rhyme of why these products are made that way. And I want to tell you the dosages because I'm like, hey, this is why we dose this at this to work in synergy with this. And here's the data supports this. And this outperforms whatever because right. we have this. To me, it makes more sense to, to, to disclose it. And honestly, it, it creates a sense of trust by the consumer. And I'm going to kick off the next segment here because I always have this shit. And I quite frankly, fuck off. I don't really care. I've had people complain and I'm like, oh, well, uh, so I was wondering, uh, what can you tell me exactly what's used to flavor this? I'm like, well, yeah, it's used in this case, like say an amino, it's natural and artificial flavors, and sucralose, and that's about it. He's like, oh well, uh, how much, how much sucralose is in that? I'm like, I'm not going to disclose that. Oh, why? Because I don't have to. Right. And I'm not going to. Uh, the flavoring, on the other hand, I spend a lot of fucking time <laughs> in the flavoring. That's the part too. You can make my product, and if you send it in the lab, you want to test it, sure. But there's a thing I can guarantee you. I, I think I would guarantee it's near impossible. And I'm a science guy. If you were to take anything I make and send into a lab, you will not be able to get the exact flavor system. Because here's a thing. For example, if I make like a blueberry lemonade flavored product, okay, you can send it in. You can test sucralose. You can send it in. You can test whatever it is. You know the, the right. sulfate, potassium, any acid, but good fucking luck figuring out where I buy my flavor from, what the exact flavor code for that exact blueberry and that exact lemonade comes from. You're not going to figure it out. It's mm -hmm. not going to taste the same. And in that case, I am going to protect my proprietary information because I consider myself a little bit of a chef. It's my proprietary work. When I work with, you know, what our flavor house is and okay, even though I'll tell you the flavor house, good luck because let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. For every, like say strawberry, 
flavor there is. There's natural strawberry, there's uh, strawberry cake flavor, strawberry um, daiquiri, strawberry candy, strawberry jelly, strawberry um, sweetened. There's uh, like even a Nesquik flavor strawberry. There's probably 20 different strawberries within that same flavor house's library to cool about the same thing that all give different flavor notes. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right on the flavoring thing. That's, that's not, but that's also not, I mean, yeah, sure, it makes the product taste good, but that's not what's actually going to work for you within the, within the body typically. I mean, right, like, um, I know some people put, like, malic acid and things like that within their flavoring system. Yes, malic acid has some performance benefits to it. But uh, I think overall, I, I, I just I cringe when I hear brands tell me, well, we did a proprietary blend because we're trying to protect our formula. Well, come on, man. Like, this is 2020. Like, I mean, sure, you can. Uh, and it's fine. Like, I, I, I can... I can try to reverse engineer that if you give me hints on certain things. Um, to an extent, Drew can definitely do the same thing. Like anybody without a lab can make their best valid attempt at reverse engineering stuff. Like I work, we, we mentioned like Chris Waldrum's brand on this podcast several times inspired. They still use proprietary blends in some things, um, but I also trust the source in which it comes from. And I reverse engineered some of those products and I was like, shit, they got to be pretty close to right on this. And I'd actually send Chris my reverse engineering. He's like, yeah, you're off by like two, you know? So it's like, it's not bad. But then um, there are those ones where, where it's like beta alanine, creatine, monohydrate, and it's like seven grams. It's like, okay, this is just dumb. But now yeah. a, a popular thing that we see now is, okay, let's, let's fully disclose the actives in terms of like your traditionals, like your creatines, your beta alanines, your betaines. Let's disclose that, but let's make a stim blend, and let's, let's, let's blend that up. Now I, being an anti-proprietary blend type guy, I'm actually okay with that, assuming they call out caffeine at least out of the entire thing call out at least caffeine so i can do my job as a quote-unquote professional at looking at that and be like is this brand dumb enough to put in 200 milligrams of synephrine i don't know like you know i mean but you can look based on where caffeine is listed in that proprietary blend even advocates for for fully transparent products like mark glazer told me at the arnold this last year he doesn't have a problem with proprietary blends within stim blends because a stimulant is what you feel how about you drew Honestly, I'm on the same page as that, depending on what the product is. If there's somebody finds a unique combination that they feel is really cool, I'm fine with it. Because if, here's the thing. I think it depends on if you're making specific claims on that blend. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, there's – fuck, I'm not going to leak this. You'll see it on my next product. It's actually going to be in my stim-free Mr. Vane's dropping in uh, end of January, early February here, the Mr. Vane's 2.0. There's a very specific ingredient in there that has data supporting that it can be used. It's a non-stimulatory adaptogenic herb that pairs with caffeine as well as can be used as a standalone ingredient. It's a very specific number. In that case, if you're making a claim on that specific ingredient – it has to be at a certain dosage. And if I see it right. in a blend, it might be a little bit suspect. In that case, if you're going to make claims specific to certain data, then in that case, you need to disclose the number because otherwise, you say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But other than that, you know, like the, the – the, I think Chris has like the, the lit blend or whatever maybe. I don't remember off the top of my head. He does yeah. a beautiful job formulating his products. Um, in that case, yeah, I mean there's a little bit of magic to be done there using a different stimulatory ingredients. But then again, there's no specific claims being made. Say hey, this is just the focus as fuck. I think is what he calls it. The focus is fuck blend. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it paints a picture. It's cool. And it's like, hey, this is our proprietary blend of these ingredients here. And he once again is, oh, I'd like to know how much of this. I'm like, well – too bad. In that case, you know, that's it's taking kind of um, let's put it this way. It's kind of like a, like a, like a special kitchen. You go in, and okay, you have this whole kitchen of all the ingredients in the world you want to make this stew. You all have to make the same fucking stew. You can use any ingredient in this whole fucking kitchen. Right. Okay. That's how the supplement industry is. You all have the same tools at your disposal. Go in, make your best stew. You know, at the end of the day, you know, like you're probably going to go in and like say wherever it is. Like you're not going to go to Pepsi, for example. I'm segueing here yep. and say I want to know the full formula to Pepsi. What's in this? I want to know the exact amount of what I'm ingesting. They're going to tell you to fuck yourself two ways from Tuesday. 
goes Coke. Hey, I'd like to know what what is in Coke. Can I have the formula? I want to know what I'm drinking. Fuck yourself. Go drink Pepsi. You go down the street, Dr. Pepper. Hey, what are the 23 ingredients, Dr. Pepper? Fuck yourself. Go to I don't even know. And yeah. they're going to keep that in the on because the thing is that's proprietary. This flavoring and it's unique to that brand. And yeah. when it comes back to the stimulant thing, that's uniquely done. And unless there's specific claims, then I'm not going to tell you, you know. There are going to be people listening to this be like, but Ryan, you just said you can send it in and get it, get it tested. Yes, you, you can. You can. I at least want to know because there's no, uh, to my knowledge, like there's not a ton of like clinical data on stims. I mean, in terms of like backing things, right? Like there's, there are studies on caffeine and like how much caffeine can exert what type of force, yada, yada, yada. But it's not like your, your creatines, your citrullines and things like that, where we know that there are numerous studies published that, that back certain dosages. So that's kind of where I'm at on it. Um, at the end of the day, if somebody sends me a, a proprietary blend, I don't shit on the product right away because it's a prop blend. Like I refuse to do that. Um, I at least try to put forth an attempt at it. Like um, from my standpoint, because I have... And people give me shit all the time, Drew. It's like, oh, how can you put over a, a proprietary blend product? Well, because some of them are actually are mean well and they do good. Some of the prop blends, even though I'm not a huge fan of proprietary blends, are formulated nicely. Yep. But then you get the, the, the bad apples, the ones who pixie dusted and the ones who just do really shitty things. And people listening to this are probably like, well, Drew should know, uh, does pixie dusting still exist in 2020? Uh, and the answer is? Yeah. Yeah. Because you do there. But it's, it's honestly not as common. A right. lot of the times... I mean, there's a very specific brand that makes some things and they have a very specific fetish with using clowns and a bunch of other redarded bullshit in terms of their packaging. I think anybody with half a brain that's about the industry can figure out who I'm talking about where I'm like, get the fuck out of here. This is garbage. But at the end of the day, it's like, hey, they're killing it in their specific channels. And obviously sometimes there's there are certain things. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little nugget of information here in a second on sometimes it actually has to be done a certain way. But for the U.S., Talk specifically, yeah, I'm certain time there, yeah. I mean, I can look at something typically if I see the dosage, and sometimes I even like look at that and like mm, something doesn't add up. If it's a 10 grams of branch chain amino acids per scoop and it has flavoring in it and it says the scoop size is 10 grams, that's not that's bad math, man. Or clearly, it's not 10 grams, correct. But most times, if I see something, I can pick it apart pretty quickly. There are certain times in certain countries where they're not allowed to list certain things as ingredients. And um, I'm saying very specifically, like China, for example. In certain channels, when you bring stuff into China, they can't use beta alanine. However, you can use it as a flavoring agent. How the fuck that works, I don't know. Interesting. But yeah. I know. That was an issue we rose and made a product specifically for China a few years ago. So there are some certain things and things that play there, but generally most times it's just because they're being fucking shady or sketchy. But to answer your question, I think the biggest issue proprietary blends arose from things in a concentrated pre-workout era mm -hmm. because people were using these well-known ingredients, arginine, creatine, beta alanine, whatever it may be, and combining it with basically drugs, right. DMA and amphetamine. And putting it in like a three gram scoop and claim it's a concentrated pre when it's mm -hmm. literally nothing but stimulants, but they added creatine and beta alanine and all this bullshit to make it seem like a more complete pre when that's not the case. That's yeah. what put the sour taste in everybody's mouth when it comes to proprietary blends. Same thing kind of goes for thermogenics. You know, a lot of times people with nothing but fucking stim bombs in a capsule, has nothing in it but caffeine, whatever, and the little extra things in there that are very expensive. Here's the thing: right. some of those stim bomb ingredients are very expensive, dude. Yeah, and it looks good on a label, but the other day is mainly caffeine and a bunch of bullshit just to make it look better. And that's kind of what kind of planted that seed. And then now that people have kind of gotten away from it where it takes more actual shit to make people feel a product because it can't just drop DNAA in something. 
you know, it changes the landscape a bit. That's why it's kind of gone the way of DMA. You can't really do it anymore, which is fine. So that's kind of why that started and why it changed. What I find comical, too, is people have anti-proprietary blends. And again, I, like, I want to make clear, like, I'm not a fan of prop blends, but I can see I can work with them. Um, they'll, they'll refuse to buy a pre-workout that uses a prop blend, but then they'll use uh, a blended protein. You know, like, I mean, so like a blended protein, guys and girls, is a prop one. I mean, you don't, I mean, you know that you might get 50 50 isolate concentrate or whatever, but a lot of brands don't disclose that they're using X grams of isolate that yields this. I mean, there are a couple of brands out there that do that. Um, I think it confuses the consumer for the most part because most of them don't understand like we do. I like to see like what Mark Glazer does and what, what Ghost does and, um, you know, some of these brands that call this out, but that's a prop one. I mean, it, at the end of the day, you have, you have your, your proteins and you have your cocoa powders and you have all your flavoring agents down at the bottom. I don't know what the fuck I'm getting. Um, you know that you're probably getting more of an, like people will shit on um, Optum, right? Gold standard way. You know it's 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 an isolate and it's a concentrate. You don't know the ratio, but you know since isolate's listed first, it's at least fifty percent isolate. Like you can do that math, but I can't tell you more than that unless I go to Colombia and say what's in this. I'm being real with you. I mean, here's the thing. I very specifically know a few proteins. I mean, I, I, bro, I can probably tell what's in most people's shit. Either, hey, I know the co-man or I just know the formulator or I've seen the formulas or I've helped many people because I'm a very helpful guy and I love, and I review stuff. But there's certain things out there. You'll see like a blend of, say, whey protein concentrate, whey protein isolate, and whey protein hydrolysis listed in that order. And in order to get the label claim of 25 grams of protein per serving, they'll have, you know, whatever it may be. It'll be like, say, 23 grams of whey protein concentrate active, you know. So in overall, it's probably like 25 grams. I don't remember the math top of my head. They have like two or three grams of whey protein isolate and then like a gram or half a gram of whey protein hydrolysate just so they can have whey protein hydrolysate on the label. Yeah, I see a lot. But here's the thing. For most people out there, if you if they were to do nothing but put straight whey protein concentrate in the bottle and not even worry about it, I'm not telling you this, you probably wouldn't notice the fucking difference because mm-hmm. to me, whey protein hydrolysis is one of the most overrated things out there. My company, we do sell a partially hydrolyzed whey protein isolate. And that purpose, I never am going to go out there and say that, oh, whey protein hydrolysis, it does in fact digest faster. But I'm never going to say, oh, it works 10 times better than mm, concentrate yeah. or isolate. What it does, and I very clearly specifically stated this, is it's going to be an easily digestible form of whey protein out there. It's going to absorb fast to help you recover. And your benefit you get versus isolate versus concentrate is that the isolate typically has little to no lactose. So if you have sensitivity to lactose, that's going to be the better choice for you. Right. Or if you have to be super anal retentive about your calories, I mean, like, I'm sorry, but people bitching about some whey protein concentrate, it's close. Here's the pros and cons. Whey protein concentrate is close to a whole food. It has less filtering, less stuff taken out, so the lactoferrins and immunoglobulins, stuff like that, the good immune system stuff. Versus an isolate is going to have all that taken out. It's a pro and con. If you can mm-hmm. swing one or two grams of fat and maybe a couple grams of carbs, that whey protein concentrate is going to work just as well. Some people get a little more digestive upset if they have sensitive to lactose. They may have to go to the isolate. Mm-hmm. The concentrate is pretty simply going to have a better mouthfeel. The isolate yeah. is going to be a little bit leaner, a little bit thinner, a little bit meaner. But if you don't have an issue with it, and I'm, I'm sorry, no matter how strict your diet is, if you can't swing a gram or two of fat and five or six grams of carbs, you probably have other problems in your life. You need to focus on more than that. Yeah, that's one of the things, too, on this podcast. I always thought, you know, most of the blends that you see in the market in protein is an isolate concentrate blend. And I think to myself, it's like, okay, why? I mean, I, I, an isolate is what sells a lot. of People will be like, oh, it's better. So I'm going to buy it because of that. Like the isolate concentrate blend is specifically for mouthfeel and flavoring. I mean, for the most part, for brands to do it because like adding in that amount of concentrate makes it a little bit thicker, makes it flavor better. Because if you've ever had a traditional straight isolate versus a, a concentrate, typically the concentrate's probably going to taste better. Um, 
But uh, so like so when I look for blends, I'm looking for like a concentrate casein blend, something like that, where I have more of a fast and slow digestion protein. Um, again, you guys as consumers can do whatever the hell you please. But it's, it's, you start to look at these things a little bit differently the more and more you spend time in this space. Do I have any issue against an isolate concentrate blend? No, if they want to do that. I mean, the price per an isolate and price per concentrate, roughly the same. I think isolate might be a little bit more higher now on the manufacturing side. Once upon a time, it was flipped. I mean, it's all about supply and demand. So it's, it's, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's cheaper to do an isolate than a concentrate, depending on the market value of it. And, and they go that route. The issue I have is if you're charging accordingly. If you're charging somebody for the price of an expensive hydrolyzed whey protein, and it's nothing but a bunch of bullshit concentrate, and you just put that on there for label dressing, and you're overcharging. That's where I'm at. Like, come right. on, man, it's fucking people over. But if it's the same price in the same category, you know, you may quote unquote on your on product have more inferior. At the end of the day, here's the thing: if the label claims 25 grams of protein, and you're meeting 25 grams, then what's the issue? What's the problem with people? You know, you're you're delivering this promise. The protein's what you're looking for. The protein's the whole fucking reason you're taking the product. I can guarantee you, I'd be willing to bet Ryan's house i don't even know something because i don't worry you're you're in safe hands here if you were to take both for a year back to back or whatever you would notice no difference in terms of muscle gain performance recovery any parameter you want to check the only thing would be in your personal comfort preference mouthfeel and if you have digestive issues with concentrate versus isolate that could be where it is but most people they don't have a problem you know, that's the main thing to come back to. It's like, what are you paying for? If you want to pay for them more, okay, sure. You know, but as we talk, as we kind of, kind of wrap up here on, we talk about protein proprietary blends, which is kind of an area in which we've gone and, and now companies calling out the yields of protein. When you see 25 grams of protein listed on the nutrition facts panel or supplement facts panel of that product, Drew, does that actually mean it's 25 grams of yielded protein? Or can companies say this is 25 grams of that protein powder, which may, might yield 20 grams of total Protein. They have they offer the nutrition facts panel. Here's the difference. On supplement facts panel is different than nutritional facts. Nutritional facts you cannot make structure and function claims about it, which is where actually a lot of companies fuck up here. They'll put a nutrition facts panel on, but then on the front of it they'll make claims for yeah. oh increases strength strength and power da 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 da. da. That's nutrition facts because it is a food product. You cannot make structure and function claims on a nutri- on a nutrition facts. Supplement facts panel you can make structure and function claims. Okay, yeah. so depending what avenue you want to go. But say the nutrition facts panel, if you're claiming 25 grams of protein, it has to have 25 grams of protein if you were to test it. One way to test bullshit on this, and you do see it a lot, like people, they fucking, they don't understand this concept, is they're like, oh, well, oh, if I'm getting, if this has 25, 24 grams of protein per scoop here, I don't know why the common number is 24 grams but rather than 25. A lot of these, I don't know why they come at 24. But they look at it like, oh, well, there's there's 33 grams of, of uh, per scoop here, but I'm only getting 24 grams of protein. What's all the other stuff? I'm like, well, there's a bunch of fill. And much nonsense. I'm like, well, here's the thing. I don't know where that accent came from. That's great. But yeah, apparently everybody shops for protein at Walmart. Yeah. I don't even know where damn, damn, damn protein come from over here. But here's the thing. It, it, understand, you get this, is that no ingredient is 100% pure. Mm-hmm. You have to have a little bit of what is called overage. For example, if you were to say like even caffeine and hydrous, which is a cat like a lab grade caffeine is 98%. So every 100 milligrams of material used for caffeine and hydrous, O'Neill's 98 milligrams of actual caffeine. Things are lower though. Like di-caffeine malate is, I believe, 70% caffeine. So if you have 100, 100 milligrams of it, you only have 70 milligrams of caffeine. That applies to protein too. Right. A whey protein contrast to be 80% protein content by weight. Isolate is usually 90% or above. So if you factor that in, say if you have, you know, 10 grams of whey protein isolate, you're going to get about nine grams of protein. Right. If you have 10 grams of concentrate, you're probably eight grams of protein. So you have to account for that extra amount of material needed 
to meet the label claim and the extra is, you know, the other the other piece of it, whether it be fats, carbs, whatever it may be. You're Let's put this little- in, I'll put this in layman's terms for people to understand this, right? So if the label says 24 grams of protein, that's the active protein content, but it might have taken 28 grams of an, a weighted powder to get to that 24 gram claim, right? So now if you have, so you have 24 listed on the nutritional facts panel out of a 33.6 gram serving size, like it's not, a lot of people just, and we did this in the past too, it's like we would take 24 divided by 33.6 and say, well, this is, well, technically that 24, you're probably actually using like 27, 28 weighted amount of protein powder out of that total 30, so that way your actual other shit is very, a lot smaller than what people think. So um, there's a big miscommunication on how to calculate that, but um, we could talk all day on prop blends. I guess case in point is like, they're not used as often today as they once were. We have them now in some stim blends. Uh, They are starting to kind of even go away from the protein world. My, my final takeaway, Andrew, and I'll, I'll let you do this too, is like not all prop brands are, are created equally. There are some that are, that are fine. Um, so if, if a company comes out with a prop blend, don't shit on it immediately. Like look at the label, turn it around and see like if you can sort of dissect it a little bit. Um, if it deserves to be shit on after that, go right ahead. By all means, I'm all for it. Um, but some companies do mean well. They just take that route for whatever reason they choose. And, and it's their business and it's their brand. They can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Uh, but as a consumer, you're the one that needs to understand what you're looking at. Yep, 100%. I mean, they couldn't say it any better than that. It's product specific. Sometimes it's done for a good reason. Sometimes they're just being cheap, shady fucks. So use some common sense. If you've been in the supplement industry or the game a little bit, if you have a general idea of how much things you're supposed to be dosed at, like, okay, typically if I see something that beta and yeast, say at least like a one and a half grams. So I need creatine and I need at least a couple grams. If you see something that has, you know, very suspect numbers, like, okay, think of it this way. You have say, a little a VW Beetle. Only so many people can fit in this little fucking car. And if you have four people or six people that weigh 300 pounds a piece, they're probably all not all going to fit in that car. As a good analogy, use the common sense. Right. You know, but just use for those listening, like in the next month or two, we might put together a curriculum for Common Sense 101 uh, by Professor Drew Peters. It could help you all. Very, very much. Uh, if you like what you heard here today, hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, watch via YouTube. We're on the Facebook, the Book of Face, over at the Iron Jungle Podcast. Any ideas for topics in 2020? Um, because we're gonna, we have one more episode of 2019, and then I believe that's it if I'm reading the calendar right. Who the fuck knows? Um, but check us out at Vanilla Grill Drew on the Instagram at Fitness Informant for us as well. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next week, uh, I'm not going to do the PJ Braun thing. Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it.